Hey folks, this is Dr. Sam Byrne and I'd like to welcome you to another iClarity podcast. We have a great show today. Uh, I'm answering questions, so I think I'll jump right in. Uh, this is from Gail, who is uh, from San Antonio, Texas. She's actually a friend of mine. Uh, she and Jim are awesome people. And her question is about color blindness. She writes, in all of the newsletters I've read from you, I've never seen color blindness addressed. Would you please do something about that condition? My stepson, Jim's son, just tried and chroma glasses to see if they could help his color blindness at all, which they did not. Not being able to determine color has affected what jobs he can undertake. Well, color blindness is a condition that is genetic, and it um, it tends to show up in a roughly about eight percent of all men, and less than one percent of all women. Color blindness is a genetic condition, and the causes of it have to do with uh, our ability to distinguish different wavelengths um, in the part of the retina called the cones. This is where the macula resides. And the macula makes up less than 1% of the real estate of the retina. And yet, it's probably one of the most important parts of our seeing because it helps us identify detail objects and it also helps us see color. So in color blindness, the retinal cone cells have a confusion where they're not able to distinguish two or more colors. And because they're not able to do that, this creates kind of a washing out of being able to distinguish uh, colors. Now there is a technology out there called Enchroma, and uh, this particular technology uh, is found in a pair of glasses that uh, for some people, when you wear these glasses, it can help you distinguish uh, different uh, color frequencies, but it doesn't work for everybody. There really isn't a good answer uh, in terms of color blindness, you know, like taking certain nutrients that will help you. I mean, certainly, um, you know, to boost the macula health, I've talked about the carotenoids, lutein, and zeaxanthin. And if you're going to do a supplement, 10 milligrams of lutein per 2 milligrams of zeaxanthin, Uh, Of course, you can get those from carotenoids and the uh, colorful vegetables, especially things like orange and red bell peppers, beets and carrots and kale and spinach. But I have not found that, uh, you know, increasing your carotenoid intake has an effect on uh, color blindness. Um, It's definitely a condition that is uh, troublesome, especially if you're driving um, you know, when you have to see, you know, the brake lights or stop lights. Uh, also, it is definitely, um, you know, a problem in terms of 
you know, if you're wanting to eat in the rainbow diet to see the different colors, um, also out in nature, being able to distinguish uh, different colors as well can be a problem. So I'm sorry, I don't really have an answer for you in terms of color blindness. It's um, definitely a genetic condition that um, um, neuroscientists and visual scientists have not solved the problem. I know there is definitely research happening in terms of stem cells uh, in other eye conditions, uh, but nothing yet has come forward with uh, color blindness and using um, you know stem stem cells to uh, to help replenish the the macula. So, Gail, thank you so much for your question. Uh, I wish I had more good news for you. Okay, next question. This is um, a concerned wife. Uh, she's writing about her husband saying that he's got diabetes. He's lost the vision in one eye. His other eye ha has um, a swelling in the macula. And now he's been diagnosed with a cataract. And he wants to know what he can do for his eyes. <clears throat> well, thank you so much for the question. And um, I'm going to start off um, with some of the risk factors that, um, that may be creating this situation. And, you know, the way I look at it is that whenever we start developing multiple um, eye conditions, eye problems, um, what's going on is that our eye tissue um, is starving for nutrients. That, you know, the eyes, especially the retina, are made of uh, a sea of microcapillaries. These are the tiny blood vessels in the retina. And the, the function of the microcapillaries is to help us oxygenate and hydrate the retina. And the better we're able to do that, the more we're able to get rid of the metabolic waste, the free radical damage that accumulates in the eye tissue. So if you've got diabetes, um, that is a very serious condition. And um, the insulin levels, uh, if they're out of balance, can really... Um, affect uh, some of the most vulnerable areas of the eye, like the lens of the eye and the macula of the eye, because they rely on nutrient absorption indirectly uh, from the blood vessels that are there. And so if there's a starvation or there's an impediment in the blood vessels, uh, this is going to create oxidative stress and it spreads, uh, which will damage uh, the photoreceptor cells. So just some basic lifestyle things uh, that we want to check off the list, uh, making sure you're getting, you know, at least 30 minutes a day of aerobic exercise. Um, there have been some studies out there that actually show that uh, low serum magnesium in diabetic patients uh, is a risk factor for diabetic retinopathy. So that connection between the magnesium trace mineral and a healthy retina definitely connect. Uh, low folic acid levels are also tied to a greater risk of diabetic retinopathy. Vitamin D deficiency can also be associated with diabetic eye disease. Uh, depression has also been tied to uh, developing uh, diabetes. And of course, the bottom line is inflammation. And this is probably the number one 
factor that I look at in terms of you know, what's going on in the inflammatory area, not only in the eyes, but in the gut. Harvard, um, Harvard Medical School uh, has published uh, a paper on the ketogenic diet. And for this gentleman, I would seek out a functional medicine doctor to see if a ketogenic diet, which is basically a low carbohydrate diet, could be helpful for him. The aspect of the ketogenic diet is basically um, if we are eating carbohydrates and we're getting our energy from carbohydrates, this actually can cause um, a spike and an imbalance in our blood sugar levels. And so in a ketogenic diet, what we're doing is we're cutting out the carbohydrates and we're eating a higher fat-based diet. Uh, and this also includes meats like things like eggs um, and fish and nuts and seeds and fibrous vegetables. So it's kind of a restrictive diet, but at the same time, uh, there have been a few studies done on the effects of certain brain disorders like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, multiple sclerosis, sleep disorders, autism, and even certain forms of brain cancer. I wouldn't know for sure whether a ketogenic diet would be appropriate for this gentleman. And this is where going to a functional medicine doctor, a holistic medical doctor who can do some um, blood work and look at some markers and see whether or not a ketogenic diet would be worthwhile. And in that, maybe uh, seeing if there's a problem with the inflammation in the gut uh, to maybe work with reducing that. You know, obviously in terms of the eyes, um, you know, your carotenoids uh, through foods is very important. Lutein, zeaxanthin, astaxanthin. Um, these are really important carotenoids for the retina. I also recommend, um, you know, things like bilberry and taurine, uh, beta carotene and um, quercetin. You know, these are all foods that you can get uh, you know, in your diet from the green leafy vegetables, um, certain fruits and vegetables. Again, you have to be careful of the fruits because of the blood sugar level. I always say eat the rainbow diet. That's the best way to go. Um, in terms of the cataract forming, depending on how severe it is, you might consider the MSM eye drops followed by the Cineraria eye drops and the glutathione sublingual spray. Um, these are things that maybe you could try to slow down some of the metabolic waste that's accumulating in the lens of the eye. So I wish you the best of luck. Uh, it's not an easy situation. It's definitely a process. Uh, think about working with it both systemically metabolically and visually. Okay, next question. This is from a concerned mom. She's writing about her daughter who was just diagnosed with uveitis. The uvea is the middle part of the eye which contains a lot of the eye's blood vessels. And um, what happens in uveitis is there's an inflammatory response that occurs and there are four main reasons why we might develop uveitis. Uh, 
It could be an autoimmune disease, uh, could be related to uh, a secondary infection uh, anywhere in the body, but I find it could be around the teeth area. Uh, the dental uh, health needs to be checked out. The third reason why we might develop uveitis is because we've had some kind of a head trauma or eye trauma. And number four is that we may have been exposed to some toxicity, heavy metal toxicity, pesticides. So it's creating an inflammatory response in the uvea. For younger folks, uh, the uveitis tends to reside in the middle part of the eye. And uh, some of the diseases associated with uveitis could be things like uh, uh, irritable bowel syndrome or some kind of inflammatory disease in the gut. Um, herpes zoster, histoplasmosis, multiple sclerosis, psoriasis, rheumatoid arthritis, toxoplasmosis. These would be some of the things I would look for in terms of, um, you know, what is the cause of uveitis. Some of the symptoms uh, which can come on quite quickly include blurred vision, dark floating spots in the vision, like floaters, eye pain, redness in the eye, and sensitivity to light. So in terms of detecting uveitis, um, what you can do is at, at a regular eye exam, if there's a reduction in the visual acuity uh, test where you can't correct a person's visual acuity, that would be a red flag. That So when you do the eye health exam and you look into the back of the eye, you can either do that through a slit lamb examination or you're looking through a, a microscope and you can see some of the um, inflammation occurring in the middle part of the eye, then, um, you know, that can can lead you to the diagnosis of uveitis. Now, in terms of treating it, um, the, the standard approach is uh, some forms of uh, prednisone and other steroid drugs. Um, and, you know, in the short term, this may be a good strategy. In terms of the long-term view, um, I'm going to propose some other things to think about because long-term steroid use in the eye can actually lead to things like uh, higher eye pressure towards glaucoma or even cataract formation. So um, I'm going to bring in a study that was done. It was actually published in the Frontiers in Pharmacology, and the title of the article was called Curcumin, a Potential Therapeutic Candidate for Anterior Segment Eye Disease. So researchers found in this uh, study that if they supplemented with turmeric, and one of the ingredients in turmeric is curcumin, that there was a lower risk, lower symptoms in both dry eye disease and anterior uh, and posterior uveitis. So turmeric and curcumin are really important as an anti-inflammatory agent. Uh, obviously, you can take this in a supplement form. You can also uh, get it in your foods, especially in some of the spices that are used in Ayurveda cooking and in India cooking. But in the big picture, the one thing you want to think about is how can one reduce the inflammatory response in the eyes and the body? And so this is where you become like a detective uh, as a doctor 
say, okay, maybe going to a functional medicine doctor or a naturopathic physician or an acupuncturist and see if there are ways that you can reduce the inflammatory response systemically, uh, that you can do some uh, biochemistry testing to see what's happening, happening on an endocrine level, stress level. Uh, and part of that um, is looking at the inflammatory response in the gut. Um, so working with a functional medicine doctor where you can look at this uh, inflammatory response, you're probably going to get some really good informa information if this is in fact an autoimmune disease, whether it's based on um, toxicity, trauma, infection. So those would be the things that I would be looking at initially. In terms of some eye-related things, um, I would probably consider um, MSM eye drops with eye massage, doing a lot of the eye exercises that improve the eye lymph function. Um, and um, <clears throat> I would also consider, you know, of course, the, um, the nutrients that would help reduce inflammation, like the uh, fats and oils, so omega-3 fish oil, coconut oil, MCT oil, making sure you're getting more fats into your your body, um, and of course the carotenoids, lutein, zeaxanthin, astaxanthin, beta carotene, vitamin C, vitamin E, uh, trace minerals. This is a standard approach to make sure you're you're getting enough uh, really good eye nutrients. Uh, sometimes I would recommend something like color therapy. Uh, color therapy into the eyes actually can reduce uh, some of the inflammatory response, especially some of the blue-green, blue frequencies. They tend to work well, so you look through these colors on a daily basis. This can reduce some of the inflammatory response. I would consider craniosacral therapy uh, as a way to increase the lymph and cerebral spinal fluid uh, circulation. Um, really check out to see if there's any head trauma or car accidents, things like that, that can induce an inflammatory reaction. And then maybe some acupuncture uh, also to bring the inflammatory response down. You know, this is a very serious condition and you probably need to combine some of the allopathic methods using some pharmaceutical drugs to at least reduce some of the initial inflammatory response and then begin to use more natural alternative complementary methods uh, in the long term while you're monitoring uh, the uvia health and any inflammatory response that occurs. Um, it, it's really critical that at the beginning that you do some things to really reduce the inflammatory response initially, and that could be through some steroidal um, you know, therapy, and then to move towards more natural complementary therapies. So I hope that's helpful to you. Best of luck. Okay, next question. Uh, this is from John, who lives in Scottsdale, Arizona. And he wants to know about a treatment for a condition called Irwin Gas Syndrome. He shares that he had cataract surgery on the right eye May 22nd and on the left eye June 5th. And he developed uh, this condition in the back of his eyes and uh, the retinal specialist 
is prescribing low dosages of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. Um, and he's a retired pharmacist. He's using my MSM 15% eye drops twice a day. He's taking an eye vitamin formula. He's considering a glutathione liposomal oral therapy. And he's also used carnosine drops uh, after the surgeries, but he stopped using them. So he would uh, like some information. Well, John, thank you so much for your question. And um, I've seen this condition <clears throat> many times. It usually occurs after cataract surgery. It's a type of um, fluid that builds up behind the macula. And the macula is, of course, the center part of the retina, which is uh, part of our detailed vision, our ability to see colored vision. And so in terms of the macula edema, uh, this can be a secondary um, influence that occurs after cataract surgery. Well, I would think that um, where I would start with this is with the principle that anything that's going on in the eyes, there's a echo going on in the body in terms of uh, inflammation, toxicity. And uh, since you're into functional medicine, I don't know whether you go to a functional medicine doctor, but one of the things that I would do is I would uh, check in with a functional medicine doctor and I would look at a lot of different factors as it relates to your gut health and any secondary infl inflammatory response you going, have going on in the intestinal tract. And in that analysis, I would also explore any kind of heavy metal toxicity or chemical toxicity and I would also just check off the list um, if you've had any um, head traumas in your life. Uh, these, are, these are all things that I check off as we go through the list to figure out what is causing the fluid buildup behind the macula. You know, sometimes I've actually uh, picked up things like black mold. And I know you live in Arizona, so it's pretty dry there. But, <clears throat> um, you know, basically what you have going on is that in terms of your uh, flow, your fluid body, uh, there's a, a stagnating, a chi stagnation, energy stagnation going on in the eye, especially the macula area. And this is where I think doing things like acupuncture, and you can even do some needles around the eyes, uh, around the face, even in the scalp area. Uh, sometimes you can do um, acupuncture needles that are distal away from the eye that pulls the energy away from the eyes. And so if you've got any kind of fluid buildup, <clears throat> I've seen uh, certain skilled acupuncturists being able to draw the fluid away from the eyeball and away from the eye. So I would consider uh, acupuncture for sure, uh, maybe craniosacral therapy, um, 
these would be some things that I would uh, would really uh, consider. I think it's important for you to get a blue blocking lens if you haven't already. You didn't mention that, but with um, some some challenges going on with the macula, uh, when you have cataract surgery, uh, the lens that's put into the eye has absolutely no um, uh, protection against the blue light that either comes from uh, the digital devices or from the sun. So blue blocking lenses would be a good, good thing to do as a way to protect your macula. And I would make sure you're getting at least 10 milligrams of lutein per two milligrams of zeaxanthin twice a day. Uh, I would probably add astaxanthin, hyaluronic acid, um, lots of bilberry, taurine, quercetin, um, beta carotene or vitamin A, um, and a lot of fats and oils, you know, depending on, um, you know, whether you can tolerate that. Uh, but I think that uh, some other things that you could consider would be light and color therapy on the eyes. Uh, this has been found sometimes to be really helpful. Um, color therapy actually stimulates the retina cells. And, uh, you know, this sometimes can reduce edema and inflammation, especially the blue-green color, the purple color. Uh, these would be uh, some things that you could look at. And finally, um, you know, I would, I would take a look at any ways that you can oxygenate and hydrate your eyes, and especially your macula area, um, whether it be through uh, aerobic exercise um, and, uh, you know, making sure your, your lifestyle and diet are really lined up uh, because um, right now with that secondary macular edema, um, you want to consider even being a pre-diabetic. So making sure, uh, you know, you're your fats, carbohydrates, and proteins, uh, that there's, there's a good balance there. And that's where a functional medicine doctor could help you. Uh, so don't give up. I think there's a lot of things that you could do. Unfortunately, the non-steroidal inflammatory drugs have their own side effects, and it's kind of treating a symptom. I think you could do better than that. So thanks so much for the, the question, John. Uh, I really appreciate it. Okay, next question. This is a person who's got Graves' disease. Uh, this is a thyroid disease. Uh, this was diagnosed <clears throat> February 2018. Um, this person, his name is John. Uh, he also has double vision, although it's improved greatly, and he has little or no eye pain. He does have inflammation and puffiness under both eyes, which fluctuate during the day. And he did a 12-week round of prednisone, um, and he's tapered that off. Uh, the surgeon now wants him to get radiation therapy and or bone surgery. Um, and so he's asking about eye drops and supplements and things like that. Okay, John. Well, no question that uh, our thyroid is very interrelated to our eye health. And with Graves' disease, you know, we're dealing with uh, our immune system on some level. We're also dealing with a chronic inflammatory response going on. And um, 
you know, if you've got the the puffiness, uh, you know, basically there is a congestion in your um, eye fluid. And so, again, looking at it more from a holistic perspective, I think it's a combination of things. Um, number one, I think uh, looking at your diet um, and your lifestyle are really important. Uh, and I would put stress reduction in there as well. Uh, again, this is where working with a natural doctor, naturopathic doctor, or functional medicine doctor, I'd be very curious to know what is you know, your inflammatory response in terms of your intestinal health, you know, um, what, what, do you, what do you do in terms of gluten, dairy, uh, sugar, uh, just as a top three. Um, so I would definitely explore uh, your systemic health in, in that arena because it definitely can create more congestion and oxidative stress um, in your eyes, you know, and also going to a functional medicine doctor, or even an acupuncturist or an herbalist, uh, sometimes they might be able to offer you more support with your thyroid in terms of natural methods without all the side effects of the pharmaceuticals and the radiation. So I think you need to go there. I think you need to really seek out uh, more natural medicine uh, physicians who can uh, maybe steer you and guide you in a way to support your thyroid health uh, in a better way. In terms of your eyes and the puffiness, you might consider acupuncture. Uh, this could uh, be very helpful in terms of getting your meridians uh, uh, working better, the flow of energy. This could actually help reduce some of the puffiness. Whenever there's chronic puffiness, the things I look for are uh, chronic toxicities in the body, uh, inflammation in the body, uh, allergies, food allergies. That's another thing to look at. Um, and then in terms of, you know, foods to eat, of course, the carotenoids are so important uh, for you. This would include uh, lutein, zeaxanthin, astaxanthin, uh, beta carotene. Uh, vitamin E, quercetin, and taurine, and bilberry, um, and in your trace minerals, things like magnesium, selenium, uh, chromium, maybe uh, a glutathione sublingual would be helpful as well. Uh, the MSM eye drops, in terms of the eye massage, MSM eye massage would be a great, great one for you to start using. Um, I definitely would go for that. And, um, you know, those would be the things that I would focus on. So really getting into a program where you're working with a holistic medical doctor and then starting to incorporate some of the things that I recommend. I don't think the eye supplements by itself and the eye drops are going to do it for you. I would also consider my eye exercises uh, where you get into a, a routine, a daily routine uh, I have a 90-day eye clarity program for double vision. That might be a good one for you, even though you're saying your double vision is getting better. Uh, but um, those would be the things that I would focus on. So thanks so much for your question, John. Take care. Okay, this next question comes from Colleen, and she is on restasis for dry eyes, and she wants to know if she can use the MSM eye drops. 
All right, Colleen, I'm going to give it to you straight away. I think the dry eye syndrome, especially in women, has roots in its systemic and metabolic areas. Therefore, I think that treating dry eye syndrome from a systemic and metabolic place, as well as from, you know, taking eye drops, is the way to go. In the short term, I think restasis can give you some, some relief. It's treating a symptom. It, it, it um, suppresses some of your immune response in your eyes. There also can be some side effects like red eyes and eye irritation and, and things like that. And you get hooked into restasis. It's pretty expensive and it's only treating the symptoms. So <clears throat> I think I would look at, uh, number one, your endocrine health. Uh, there have been some studies that correlate uh, low estrogen and chronic dry eye. I would also take a look at your adrenal health. If you're under stress and your adrenals are um, putting out too much cortisol, uh, your sympathetic nervous system is overworking, and this dries out all the mucous membranes, including the eyes. So supporting your adrenals better is really important, reducing your stress. Digital device use. Uh, making sure you're using the proper lens prescription for the computer. So if you've been given a prescription for distance, that's going to be uh, incorrect for your computer use. And even if you don't wear glasses or contacts for distance, um, you might consider a stress-relieving lens for the computer, which relaxes your eyes. I would add a blue blocker tint as well, because the digital devices can definitely dry out your eyes. And the blue blockers also can dry out your cornea. <clears throat> um, you know, in terms of your diet, uh, really important to get enough fats and oils in your diet. I know there's some been some controversy with some research lately saying that omega-3 fish oil does not help dry eye syndrome. But I think that there were, there were some inconsistencies in those studies. Uh, one study I saw actually found that this was a, for women that if they started uh, supplementing with about 1500 IUs of um, 1500 milligrams a day of omega-3 fish oil within a 12 week period, their symptoms around the dry eye actually reduced. Uh, so I would consider upping your fats and oils, your nuts and seeds, getting lots of antioxidants, carotenoids, maybe going on a smoothie uh, formula. I have some great smoothie formulas on my website that you could start using. Um, so those would be some things I would check out. Your dental health, uh, what's going on there, if there's any amalgams in your mouth uh, or if you've had any root canals. Um, you know, these are things that there can be some secondary infections going on. Again, we're just going through the list in a more holistic way than just the eye drop. If you're going to use eye drops, I would probably start with the 4% MSM and I would do it with the eye massage. Uh, I would also do the eye bath. Uh, these are both on my uh, website, instructional videos. With the eye bath, you're lying down and you run those drops along the eyelids with the eyes closed a few times and open your eyes and you get a rush of MSM into your eyes. That's very soothing and uh, you can actually keep the MSM in the refrigerator and so it's very cooling on your eyes. Uh, and I would do that as many times a day as you need to to get out of the, the symptoms of the dry eye. So uh, back to your question, can you use MSM with restasis? Absolutely, you sure can. 
Uh, but I think you need to look at the bigger picture, get more involved in some of uh, the systemic and metabolic reasons why you might have dry eye. So Colleen, thank you so much for your question. Okay, we have time for one more question. And this is a person who's um, taking eye drops for glaucoma. And um, this person is saying they're in a severe stage. Uh, is there an alternative to the eye drops? Okay, well, glaucoma is a problem with the fluid production or the fluid flow in the eyeball. And so if there's an imbalance in the fluid in the eye, uh, it begins to uh, uh, damage the optic nerve, which is the, the back part of the eye where the fiber optic pathway from the retina connects to the brain. The key in glaucoma is a couple of things. Uh, number one, protecting your optic nerve. This is so important. Studies out there show that increasing your omega-3 and your fats and oils really important for protecting optic nerve health. Ginkgo is another uh, ingredient that's been shown to help protect the optic nerve health. I would uh, also consider beta-carotene, lutein, zeaxanthin, your trace minerals, um, <clears throat> bilberry, and uh, taurine. These are really important that you can get, into, get in an eye formula. I would also add glutathione, I think glutathione is a, um, a master antioxidant that helps get rid of free radicals. And there's some studies that point to the possibility that uh, glaucoma is partly caused by oxidative stress, metabolic waste. So that uh, glutathione coupled with the MSM eye drops, which is a sulfur-based eye drop, could be helpful to you. Uh, I also think diet and lifestyle are so important. Uh, you can't just do the, the eye work. You have to do the systemic changes as well. Get yourself to a functional medicine doctor. Take a look at your gut health. Uh, make sure your microbiome, the bacteria in your gut, is at a, is at a good level because that reduces any inflammatory response in the body. Um, so any toxicities that you might be dealing with. Again, so many times I've had people with glaucoma diagnosis, when I test them for uh, toxicities, it comes back where they have very high levels of heavy metals. Your dental health, if you're suffering amalgams and they're old, they could be leaking into your body and that could affect uh, your eye health and eye circulation. And finally, if you're using a computer or digital devices, blue blocking lenses, making sure you're taking frequent breaks, 20-20-20 rule. Every 20 minutes, look up uh, at uh, 20 feet and do that for 20 seconds. Uh, so there are a lot of things you can do. The last thing you want to do, uh, don't want to do, I should say you don't want to do this, is just stop taking your eye drops. If you want to get off your eye drops for glaucoma, you have to go through the steps, keep going back to your doctor and being monitored by having him look at your optic nerve health, do a visual fields test, take your eye pressure. And as you start doing these complementary therapies, then you can begin perhaps to wean yourself off these drugs. Uh, I know there's side effects. I know you want to get off of them, but it's going to be a slow process of you developing better health in your body.
You're listening to a podcast with Dr. Sam Byrne. To learn more about his seminars and workshops, visit his website, www.drsambyrne.com. The Byrne Method is a trademarked signature of Dr. Sam Byrne for his workshops, seminars, books, and DVDs. The information presented in this podcast is in no way intended as a substitute for receiving professional medical care. The design and purpose for this podcast is to provide information for educational purposes only. Dr. Byrne and his guests have no liability or responsibility to any person or entity for loss, damage, injury caused, or allegedly caused through the information, exercises, suggestions, explorations, or written responses presented in this podcast. Dr. Byrne is not a medical authority and his guests are not qualified to diagnose or treat any disease or health problem. This podcast is not a substitute for medical care. Dr. Byrne's information is only his personal opinion. If you have any health problem, please seek medical care for whatever condition you may have.